and you mentioned something very interesting as well is that because you spent so much investment in terms of your time and mental mm. effort into the mm-hmm. stock, that actually kind of stopped you from making the more yeah, so rational you, yeah, so, so like invested in the stock. Emotionally like, attached. Yeah, yeah. Emotionally attached. Again, I mean, um, I guess we, we will learn over time, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Right. All these things, um, as much as we can say, uh, or m- maybe as much as I can say, I've been there, done that. Um, yeah. I've been an institutional trader, but seriously, <laughs> like, in terms of emotional um, aspect of trading and investing, it's it's still lacking. Like you, you still need to improve on that. There you go, guys. Yeah. I think yeah. this is yeah. a very, very important move. Okay. Before we begin the podcast, have you gotten your free ebook? It's called the Build a Six-Figure Portfolio Guidebook. Now, inside it, we share with you the tips and tricks to bring your stock investing skills to the next level. The best part, it's only 10 pages long and it's totally free. Whether you're on Spotify or YouTube, the link to download is in the description or you can go to www.firl.co slash f-r-e-e or www.firo.co slash free. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Firo Podcast, best place for long-term stock investing or any form of long-term stock investing for that matter. Today we talked to Rondi Yunanda Yong and we're going to talk about really where he came from. Of mm. course, then we're going to tell you about Stockbit, mm. uh, which is an angel investor of and why you need to be on it. <laughs> then... We also talk about uh, what he has learned from his career, his mm-hmm. investing journey, his investing philosophy. What does he think, because he has a trading background, what does he think of the difference between investing and trading? Uh, some of his best investments, his worst investments, uh, some myths that he thinks persist in the stock market today that shouldn't be there. And of course, uh, our, all our favorite is uh, what stocks uh, he's <laughs> bullish on, what industry is bullish on. Market outlook, market outlook. Market outlook. <laughs> and uh, last but not least, uh, investing as a family man and as a father. Mm. So welcome to the podcast, Rondi. Hey, thanks. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. How's it going? So I, I know this is your first time on a podcast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all new. And um, I mean, I've been doing a couple of like Facebook Live, um, speaking to managements uh, here and there, but yeah, podcast is very, very new. Great, great. So I, I, I just want to share with everyone your big background. Sure, and sure. and it's actually r- really long but simple, right? Yeah. Uh, basically, you're CIMB through and through for about 11 years. Yep, yep. Right? So you started off credit analyst, so that's the... the, the so the, I, I, w- I would say I started off um, as a management trainee. Okay. I was quite lucky to be um, admitted in mm. CIMB mm. Um, during that time, around 2009, I suppose. Wow, right after the crash. Yeah, but that time, you know, CMB was supposedly to be like the Goldman Sachs of Asia That's and right. stuff. So it was extremely prestigious mm-hmm. and everybody wanted to be in CMB. And I guess I was fortunate enough to be able to join their management trainee program then. Okay. All right. Yeah. So then you start out like credit as a credit analyst. So for mm-hmm. those of us who do not know what it is, really what does a credit analyst do? Yeah, so... Um, I guess uh, part of the um, the good thing about being a management trainee in CMB then was that you you, you got to rotate um, between various departments. I would say for about three months to six months. Mm-hmm. So one of the first department I was rotated to was um, this kind of like this department, which is which was called um, private debt investment. 
So they were investing, I would say, in um, bonds which were higher yielding. Okay. Right. Yeah, for the um, exco funds. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, uh, of course, I was just like a three months trainee over there, mm. and basically just tried to um, help my help the traders, help the help my bosses to um, to come up with some sort of good um, analysis on some certain bonds here and there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So what what was uh, your learning process like being a credit analyst? Yeah, I think um, that was I would say one of the first um, time that I needed to start looking into company in a in a very um, in-depth level mm-hmm. yeah so um, of course you you gotta understand like the background of the company and what is the I would say um, default risk probability and stuff like that because mm-hmm. um, this these are like the bonds um, I would say that um, is higher yielding so mm-hmm. there are actually higher risk for it to get default mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, if I'm not mistaken, one of the uh, one of the client that I was um, analyzing then was um, a listed company in Malaysia called RCE Capital. Oh, ah, okay. okay. So it's like a uh, yeah, finance non, related, non right? Collateralized something loan or something, okay. right? Right. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, these are the sort of things that um, you you gotta you gotta analyze. Um, yeah, top down approach. Did you approach. did did you uh did the bank itself? Besides the normal uh, credit rating scores from credit rating agencies, mm. do you get does CMB have their own internal rating scorecard in a way? Um, that I was that I mean CMB has always um have various departments, right? Um, even later when uh, MJ will get to the part where I am a uh, where I was a equity trader and right. uh, yeah, so uh, um CMB has always had like a separate risk. Uh, department okay. itself. So okay. um, the process has always been okay. If let's say you are you are on the buy side, you you gotta talk to your kind of like superiors, um, and then you gotta talk to, you gotta pass some sort of like a uh, risk management as well. So mm. it's it's always been monitored, I suppose. I see. So they in a way they they have their own uh scoring scorecard on top of whatever they they get you get publicly from the other rating agencies, I guess. Yeah, I suppose you can say so. Yeah. Okay. So before we move on to your trading days, which mm. is really the, I think that's where the juicy stuff ha- happens, <laughs> right? Uh, but you had a stint at uh, FX and derivative sales. So yeah. that's quite different from credit uh, analysis, right? Am I right yeah, to say yeah. that? So again, as I mentioned, like um, the credit analysis part was just a very, very short stint. Mm. Um, I, I, I say, you know, I would say it was a good stepping stone, but I, I mean, um, a huge chunk of my career has always been in the um, treasury sales. Mm. So mm-hmm. as a corporate treasury sales, um, you you sort of like sell a bunch of treasury products mm-hmm. from like FX to derivatives to um, like option related products, like maybe uh, a dual currency investments, mm. um, all these sort of things. Yeah. Right. So I was there for um, I'm not sure, like a good maybe for five years or something. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And and then uh, came to the juicy part, which was um, which was basically there was an opportunity for me to join this, um, I would say equities trading and risk arbitrage department. Mm. So what happened was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere around 2014, um, CMB took over like um, Royal Bank of RBS. RBS Scotland. Yeah. Okay. So RBS had this kind of like department based in Hong Kong on mm. and India, mm-hmm. and they brought it down to um, to Malaysia and. There was an opportunity for a junior trader. And I see. I guess after um, four or five years in sales, um, I've, uh, anyways, I've always had a knack for trading mm-hmm. and investment. Um, 
And I thought, you know, it's it's a good opportunity for me to try and apply. And luckily enough, I, I managed to pass and I joined that department. Yeah. So for those of us who uh, have no clue and will probably never have the opportunity ever mm. to be a trader uh, on a trading desk for a big mm. bank, right? Mm, 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 mm. What is it actually like being an equities trader or, you know, risk arbitrage and things like that? Okay, so um, I would say that... Um, I would constitute like my experience in this particular department um, a lot more different than a normal, I would say, like institutional fund managers in Malaysia. Sure. Because um, in 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 your normal institutional fund manager in Mal- Malaysia, if let's say you're you're an asset manager of even like CMB Principal or Public Invest or M Invest, um, I would say that your funds it's kind of like just a long only fund mm-hmm. so you just buy and you just hold and sometimes your mandate might be just um in within malaysia and mm-hmm. stuff like that so for me um i would say the opportunity i had was uh very interesting in a mm-hmm. sense that um i was number one i didn't i i think we we, we barely touched malaysian market because it was True. just too small okay and um the market that we touched was mainly on like um <coughs> India, Taiwan, Korea, Hong Kong. The right? big Asian countries. Yeah, the big Asian countries. And we are we are what we call as a proprietary uh, prop, trade. prop trading. Yeah. 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 We are prop, prop, prop desk, uh, prop trader. But um, we are also, or rather we, we were kind of like um, heavily invested in arbitrage, like a risk arbitrage. Mm. Means not too high risk of, um, of an investment and trades, right? So it's very, very focused on um, like, basis points gained. Mm. So um, so some of the strategies we employed was things like um, an index arbitrage in Taiwan. <coughs> um, so for that, you kind of like had to look into your cost of funding. So mm. what is the borrowing cost that you get your US dollar from your treasury desk? And then you got to cal- kind of like calculate what is your F- um, FX hedging mm-hmm. mechanism. And you you get like your cost of fundings and and then you look into like what is um, the index points at the time and then w- so what you did was if let's say I was doing an index arbitrage based on like an MSCI Taiwan mm. then I had to like buy all ninety constituents of the index and at the same time I will have to immediately short the uh, the MSCI Taiwan um, futures mm. yeah so that's kind of like I mean you 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 do get this sort of um, arbitrage opportunities. And, you know, um, yeah, in the market, honestly speaking, there are so many ways of um, doing um, trading, mm. right? So some, some of the things that I would say a lot of um, retailers, they might not be aware about all these um, sort of strategies. The especially the hedging strategies. Huh? Yeah, yeah. So sometimes, um, sometimes you'll be wondering, hey, how come there is such a huge volume in some certain stocks, mm. right? And... Perhaps it could be as easy as um, there is, uh, I would say, like an arbitrager who manages to catch some arbitrage, yeah. and 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 they, they decided to take advantage of those things. Mm. Yeah. So um, that is one of the um, strategy that we employ. Of course, we did that on Taiwan. We did that on um, Korea, if 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 it exists, right? And then in India, I would say it's a yeah. I mean. Honestly, like if we are talking about these markets, it is just so much more um, vibrant than mm-hmm. than your typical Malaysian market in the sense that there are just so many products, right? Like in India, there are like um, I would say different kind of like index. Mm-hmm. You have the bank index, bank Nifty, and all these sort of um, um, indexes, and even like there are like so many of single stocks which have its own futures. Okay, so there are like over hundreds or even I would say uh, close to two hundred. 
um, single stock futures. So what it means is that um, you can actually buy a stock and you can actually short its futures simultaneously to get that single stock arbitrage. Yeah, right. yeah. I see. Um, between these markets that you mentioned, India, mm-hmm. Taiwan, which was the one that you felt was the most interesting? I would say India. Okay. Yeah, because um, in India, I would also say it's one of the most fundamentally efficient. Oh, um, I really? would say okay. there is um, a lot of smart money over there. Okay. And I say that because, um, as I mentioned earlier, like there are a lot of um, there, there are a lot of like uh, ways of you to do um, a certain kind of like movements. For instance, if let's say you would like to short. Um, you know, like a, a bank stock over there. Okay. Or if you wanna, yeah, you can you can do so by the by shorting by simply shorting the single stock futures, mm. right? Mm. So um, that kind of like make things a lot more efficient. And so what happened is that, and also there is a, a kind of like a huge capital gains tax over there. Oh. So what what that um what that translate is that there are a lot more investment driven um, individuals in India. I see. Yeah. So fundamental analysis is a huge thing over there. Value investment is a huge thing over there. Um, and people generally will will buy and they will hold it for a longer period of time because if let's say you're a trader, okay, you will you will actually uh, you know you you you'll get caught in the capital gains tax. I see, right. yeah. interesting. So, okay. you know that is really uh, what I would call high finance, right? Mm-hmm. Because this is really uh, complex stuff. But what would you say are some strategies that you can take mm-hmm. from your days as a trader and apply mm-hmm. it in a normal retail investing situation. Any retail investors, what mm-hmm. strategies can they copy yeah, in the way from what um, you do? Well, in Malaysia, honestly speaking, there is not much, I okay. would say. Like, if let's say you're talking about um, a simple risk arbitrage, um, I, I suppose you can do it on... Uh, call warrants? Call warrants, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, so maybe like... <laughs> okay, I mean like, you, people will actually pay a lot of money to get this sort of info, but... I suppose what you can do is um, you can you can you can long a call mm. and then you can short the KLCI features. Mm. Sorry, like what you can do is you can long a KLCI call warrants and mm. short the short sh- short the futures, mm. right? Or if let's say you see that um, you see that there is a, a an arbitrage on the other way, you can actually long a put KLCI put mm. and you can buy the KLCI futures. Why do you think <laughs> that Malaysia does not have this kind of instruments? Is it because that the market is not ready for it or the retailers don't understand it or there's no institutional support for it? Well, I mean, in your, in your experience. Yeah, I, I, I would think that um, perhaps liquidity is an issue and generally speaking, um, the market size is not there yet. I see. Yeah, um, so perhaps that's the main reason. Um, but you know, um, being small is not ne- necessarily a bad thing. Okay. Um, I would say that uh, being an Malaysia is also a rather inefficient market. I would say um, for the reason which I kind of like mentioned earlier. Mm. Uh, I mean, the opposite reason of what I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, in that sense, it also have its good side, I suppose, right? Because that's when you can actually make money. So yeah, let me just uh, give you an example, right? So. In in my trading days last time in a risk arbitrage opportunity when when I'm looking into like I would say an M&A arbitrage mm. I would say like in Hong Kong and stuff like that where there is like an announcement that uh, company A is gonna buy over company B privatization okay you will s- you will see that the gap will immediately vanish in a uh-huh. sec- yeah in, in in like the very next second I see okay so um what happened in Malaysia somehow is that yeah um you know the gap will vanish but. Um, it can be about 
I would say three percent, five percent, right? So I give you an example. So uh, I did this like uh, a risk arbitrage on Selangor Properties Bahad. Okay, ah. I would yeah. say a couple of years ago. Okay, so that was interesting because like, I mean, I would never such I would never seen such an arbitrage opportunity in other markets. Okay, so um, I think Selangor Properties Bahad mentioned that they're going to privatize. Okay, okay, and. From the moment they mentioned that, the gap was still about I would say five uh, percent. Wow! Wow! Yeah, it was five percent gap, and honestly speaking, like the risk of that not happening um, was pretty low. I would say, yeah. Probability was very low, like. Probability was very low, and of course there are like some parties who make noise mm. and stuff like that. So you're like, okay, five um, percent. I don't mind to 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 get into this boat and yeah. maybe wait. I would say about five months or something. Then. Okay. If I annualize that, that's a decent twelve percent return and annualized, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, so I went into the boat. So what happened is that after about I would say two or three months, uh, minority uh, shareholders make noise, and then they up kind of like the <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the, the, the privatization offer. offer. Yeah, and they didn't do it once. You know, they do it twice. I see. So um, from five, we so came it's like from five, and then it became like I don't know, it became twelve, and then it became eighteen percent, and then it wow. got completed in the span of like I don't know six months wow. or something. Wow. And that became, you know, uh, you will never get that in a in an efficient yeah. market. I would say. Do you back the truck? No, did, did you apply <laughs> leverage to that? No, to no, that no. trade. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that <laughs> is the question. Yeah. Okay. So now, I, I, do you have any questions? No, no, no. Mm. I, I really want to know, right? I know we, we, we need to get the stock bid, but I just mm. want to know because I I don't know many prop traders, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, having been a trader, and then now would be fair for me to say you're more of an investor slowly. Mm-hmm. You know, you've been in these both camps, right? What do you mm. say are some of the big differences in your experience? Yeah, so um, I guess um, one of the one of the thing about being an institutional trader, prop trader, is that you're always uh, bound to um, annualized performance, mm. API, right? So that in itself is is like a short term target. Right? Mm. So um, of course you want to do as well as you can, so you get like the big fat bonus at the right. end. Yeah, and and CMB um, during those days they they can really pay. So that was like a, a real big incentive. Um, so yeah, that's that's I, w- I mean that is one of the I would say um, key difference. Right now, if let's say I'm an investor um, and I do invest for kind of like a, a couple of families, mm-hmm. um, I don't have especially in some portfolios I don't have that pressure because for instance it could be like a wealth generating portfolio mm. where I can really just um, take my time to invest in the business and I can you know just just wait until the business really grow and grow and grow and I don't have that particular annual um, incentive that I need to catch w- would you say that your experiences in investing has been more positive uh, versus your trading um Yes, I suppose so. I, I mean, uh, in terms of like the the track record, it's not a long time because mm. I I did that I would say ever since twenty eighteen, so right. about three years. Yeah. And of course, as we know, um, last year was quite a good, good year. <laughs> it was very a good, good year. year. Yeah. Well, depending so, on what you buy, but yeah, yeah. mostly yeah. a good year. So that was um, yeah. So I guess it has. I mean, the 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 data and the result. I guess it has to be spread out more over a longer period of time. I, I see. Yeah. I think uh, maybe another angle I would ask is that. Mm. The, the methods that you are practicing as an investor yourself mm-hmm. for managing your money and other people's money, is, mm-hmm. that, is that something uh, much simpler as compared to your prop trading days? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. It's yeah. A, lot, a lot more simpler. And, yeah. and do you see that delta in results by a simpler method 
by a longer time horizon? Is it? Is yeah. It so um, again, during the um, the stint in CMB um, as a prop trader, as a risk arbitrager, uh-huh. um, a lot of things were based on the spreadsheet. So okay. I had like this insane crazy spreadsheet <laughs> where uh-huh. and somehow it's kind of like linked to live prices in Bloomberg and oh all wow. this, right? Uh, so it just keeps just pulls up <laughs> it just pull, keeps right? blipping red and green red <laughs> and green and whenever you can see like everything is green uh-huh. then yeah maybe you can put on a, a, an arbitrage up or, um, position over there okay so um I would say a lot of the time is spent um, like just f- trying to catch an arbitrage I see but other than that um, you know there are like I would say cases where um, we would like to apply for an IPO mm. in Korea, in Taiwan, in India. Mm. So these are these are the sort of um, time when you perhaps have to read a little bit more about the entire prospectus of the company and how much you're going to bid for the for the uh, for the IPO um, and yeah and things like that. So um, those are I would say the more analytical part of the uh, the trading journey or okay. rather the investment journey in that particular uh, stint like, as a trader. Okay. Yeah. And then in 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 your current days in a way it's much simpler, a lot more I would say analysis of the business. Yeah. So um it's it's the same. Uh-huh. Um there are a lot of things that I took um away from my CMB days okay. to actually and applied it to the to, to the current uh position but I would say that right now, um, investing in Malaysia, um, I'm actually learning uh, the other side of the coin, I suppose, uh, more into like flows, more, uh, more learning about the characteristics of the Malaysian market and mm. how to take advantage of these things. Mm. Maybe we can touch on that yes. later on. Yes, yeah, yeah. for sure, yeah. for sure. Mm. Uh, okay, so now, mm. great job, fat bonuses, mm. why stock bid? Mm. <laughs> what is stock bid? What is stock okay. bid first? <laughs> Ecosystem. Okay, so um, Stockbit is um, okay. Maybe first I'll just um, introduce on how I first came across Stockbit. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say like it was sometime around 2016 or 2017. I think it's 2016. Yeah. So 2016, there was a big IPO in Indonesia. Okay. And my boss asked me to take a look into it. Okay. See if we would like to apply into it, right? Okay. So um, one of the factors, if let's say you would like to invest in an IPO. Um, especially in like a smaller uh, country like uh, Indonesia, is you you really would like to understand how the um, retail sentiment is gonna be like. Okay. Yeah, because that plays a role as to how fast your capital appreciation might might grow. Mm. So yeah, I mean that was the first time when I was like trying to see is there a forum or like um, yeah, and I that's that's the first time I came across Stockbit. Mm. Yeah. So when I looked at the Stockbit and I just you know I'm like okay this is a, this is a very interesting approach because mm. you know um, during that time about 2016 everything was still like forum based technology. Yes. Right. Yes. So and we were starting to shift into like social media mm. and Stockbit actually took that into um, into account mm. so it is um, the technology it's providing to manage the community was based on social media mm. not really based on forum technology mm. Mm. and yeah so that was the first time I came across it and I was like hey you know what um, if if let's say I am done with um, my trading days and my career days if let's say I would like to get out and do my own thing mm. This is something that I think I might be interested to do. I see. Yeah. So, um, so that was the first kind of like encounter, and I would say that um, in 2017, when I thought, <coughs> you know what, um, I mean, during that time, my personal work-life balance and things like that kind of like weigh on me, and I decided, you know what, maybe it's it's a good time to move on, right? <coughs> so, um, then I I recall about Stockbit. 
and I, I decided to take the uh, proactive approach to try and contact the um, the founders. Okay. Yeah. So um. So and they're yeah. Indonesians, right? Yeah, they're Indonesians. Yeah. So there's Wilson and there's Sigit and there's uh, Johnny as well. So okay. there are three of them. So um yeah so when I first um spoke to Sigit and Wilson the founders it's it was just like as if I was talking to myself ah yeah, like we 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 got along um right there and then I see yeah we spent like hours talking and stuff like that and yeah I mean during that time you know um I have been like a stock investors for the longest time right yeah so um. But I was extremely interested in the project, in the Stockbit project. I see. And during that time, they were doing like some sort of fundraising. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was a seed round or like a pre-series A round and stuff. And I was like looking into it. And I'm like, hey, you know what? I really like, this is something I can I can relate to myself. Mm. Let's say I, I get out from uh, my career um, and if I want to build something, this is something that I really would be proud to build. Okay, like. It's just like a comi- uh, I'm, I'm trying to set up like a technological platform to make investment easy for everybody mm-hmm. to make to make it like an organized data for the retail investors mm-hmm. so that um, and somehow I came from like in- institutional background yeah so when I look into institutional and retail the gap is like massive it's right it's huge yeah it's it's huge so what I wanted to do and the values of Stockbit and even like the value of the founders is that all they have always wanted is to narrow the information gap mm. and to level the playing field between like investors uh, institutional investors and retail investors so that's that's i would say like was their main goal i see and it was aligned i, I suppose to where i can i can relate and yeah so i was like hey yeah you know what i am quite interested in your company and i would like to invest in your company mm-hmm. you know so and then after that they're like yeah yeah come come on board come on board right and then then they they, they kind of like say okay so this is the valuation of the company I'm like what yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because you imagine right like you have you have been like um, an equity investor all your life correct you look into things with numbers yes right yes. and suddenly you are presented with this and I mean like even d- during that time when when you're talking about like investments like Tesla and stuff like that yeah, for sure they are always at a loss. But at least there is like top line numbers. Yes, that's right. This was just like a, a pure idea. It was wow. a pure it's just idea. It's pre-revenue. Yeah, basically. it's pre-revenue. It's, like, <laughs> it's got nothing. It's only power. Kind of like, yeah, it's got like only maybe like 50,000 users during that time. The, did it they was, even have a term sheet? Uh? Um, yeah, they did. Okay. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Like, um, it, was, it was just like an idea. Okay. But the thing is, I suppose, um, you know, this is this is I suppose like uh, where VCs comes in. Okay. Like um, you just have to have that mentalist, uh, like a VC mentality, and um, I would say like pull the trigger or um, take a leap of faith. I suppose into mm, an investment. Mm. Um, and I would say that in in startup investment, if anybody wants to venture into that going forward, right? Um, I would say that the founders, the idea, and the vision of them, and their attitude and their passion, it's it's. Perhaps number one quality. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's number one quality, and it's number one metric on if, let's say, you would like to invest in it or not. Yeah, it's not a spreadsheet metric that you can apply. No, it's not. It's not your like your fundamental evaluations. Yeah. yeah. Sorry to interrupt this podcast. I know it's a little bit annoying, but I want to tell you something that I think can be really helpful to you. I can tell you're really interested in the stock market and want to learn more about it, so that you actually know what you're doing especially when today things are getting more complex and complicated. That's why we came up with the Stock Investing Blueprint or SIB. It's our signature e-learning program that teaches you how to pick the right stocks most of the time, 
buy and sell it at the best possible time and manage your stock portfolio systematically. It currently has more than 10 hours of content and it's growing. You'll also be part of a group of like-minded investors that can help speed up your learning process. To hop on the program, click on the link in the description or go to learn.viral.co slash courses slash SIB. Yeah. So, so that's uh, how you came into contact with Stockbit. Mm -hmm. Now, what, what would be your best way to explain mm -hmm. what Stompit is and yeah. why should people be on Stompit? Stompit yes. Okay, so, um, so yeah, I mean, so there was, there was the, I mean, there was the beginning and I decided to invest in Stockbit. Mm -hmm. So I'm actually an angel investor oh. in Stockbit. Okay. And um, I suppose like um, Stockbit ultimately is a social networking platform for stock investors. Mm. It's a place where, um, where uh, like any retailers or investment community people um, that would like to find out more about a particular stock can go in. Um, in Indonesia, it's a lot more um, comprehensive in a sense that there there is like the fundamental data, there is like a place where you can do screeners, mm. there's a place that, I mean, even even for, for now, right now, right, uh, as we speak, in Indonesia, it's like a one one integrated platform. It's a place where there is a community, it's mm -hmm. a place where there is like information about stocks, you can do the screener, fundamental analysis, um, technical analysis. Um, you can get the news. You can get the announcements and reports. You can get all the uh, corporate actions, mm -hmm. and you can even trade from Stockbit in wow. Indonesia. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So it's like a real one one stop, one -stop shop. Okay. Yeah, one stop shop. So you should have at least uh, one million users by yeah. now already. Yeah. There is one million users in Indonesia. So okay. in Indonesia, wow. if let's say you're a retailer in, in Indonesia, okay. you the one app that you will have in your phone is Stockbit. Wow. Yeah. Fantastic, oh, because good. it's like, can you imagine the brokers? Mm -hmm. how, how do you, does Stockbit actually uh, create their own uh, data from source or do they buy their data from uh, someone okay. else? So in Indonesia, they own the data. So that means there's, okay, so for the exchange, I'm, I'm mm -hmm. guessing, let, let's go all the way back. From mm. the exchange, there's a report that comes yes. out, right? Yes. And Stockbit actually houses a team that acquires yes. that data and yes. manually enters it. Yes, if it is in a certain kind of like uh, large cap, it will okay. be updated in four hours, within four hours. Wow! Everything, <laughs> not 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 just like the income statement. Okay, it will be income statement, balance sheet, cash flow. Wow! A whole set. Wow! And and the brokers that are linked to Stockbits are mm -hmm. they like open to all brokers that are willing to work with you in Indonesia? Um, no, there is only a limited brokers that we partner up with. Okay. Yeah. So um. Yeah. All right. So there's one million users in Indonesia already. Mm -hmm. Malaysia, how many? Okay, so in Malaysia, um, so basically Malaysia is kind of like our side project. Okay. Um, in a sense that, um, you know, I was I was just telling them, hey guys, you know, like, um, you know, we do have like, uh, I would say plan to go regional. I would say maybe in the next five years or ten years. Okay. And since I'm in Malaysia, okay, uh, why not we just open up like just um another. Uh, country okay right so they say yeah okay let's try it out but seriously like the amount of money invested in malaysia is close to nothing i see yeah so um <coughs> so what happened is is that yeah we 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 came up with the entire 900 tickers of the stocks in malaysia okay we fit in the um the prices from bursa okay and we let the community uh part of stock bid um apply in in malaysia i see so um it 
for now in Malaysia, what you can see is just the community element of it. Ah, yeah. yes. um, you you are not gonna be able to find information such as like the fundamental information because mm-hmm. we don't have that yet. I see. Yeah. I see. Um, it's something that we are still working on. Okay. Um, but yeah, hopefully in the in the near future we can provide that. So our features and the Malaysian Malaysian features and Indonesian features can be more in line. I see. But I right see. now it is just um, the community platform. I see. Yeah. Okay. So the idea on why I thought um, Stockbit could work in Malaysia is, um, of course, I have been, I mean, that was in 2017 and I decided that in 2018, maybe Stockbit should venture into Malaysia. Mm. And um, because in 2018, in the beginning part of my, I would say like a family office, investing for family funds mm. kind of like career, mm. um, I do try and invest in the place where I'm living, which is in Malaysia. Mm, mm. And I thought that, you know, um, a lot of the things in the Malaysian market is still very unorganized. Mm. And um, I, I just felt that Stockbit could be a, a disruptor and it could be an alternative to provide an, a healthier community and stuff like that. So I thought, yeah, m- why not um, bring Stockbit over? Because, um, you know, unlike some of um, the alternate platforms, which are still based on forum technology, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, sh- I mean, Stockbit, again, is a social media technology and it provides you with um, kind of like, I would say, more accountable users. Because, number one, there are like a three-step verifications for you to log into Stockbit. You so can't be a phantom user. You, I mean, you can still, but you <laughs> need like a lot of things like your, your phone number. La, your, your mm. your, I mean, like there are three three categories for you to be an, a user in Stockbit. Mm. And the good thing is that um, for Stockbit, a lot of the control is in the user's hand. Mm. So, for instance, if let's say you find this guy like annoying, right? And you would like to report him. So, you can report him. Mm. Or if let's say you would like to block him, you can block him. Mm. Yeah. So you see exactly what you want to see. I see. Yeah. So for instance, if let's say you have a certain um, stocks that you would like to uh, monitor, then you put them into your watch, watch list, list. Yes. right? If let's say you there are certain people that you like uh, to follow, to follow, then you put them into your following list, and whenever, and then you can adjust like your alerts, mm. um, your notification. So um, let me give you like an example in how this works mm. uh, because it um, okay so I would say I'm not I'm not quite sure which year it was I think 18 or 19 um, this is how I would say Stockbit has brought um, retailers closer to the information that is being earned by institutions okay, okay? so um, so we are feeding information from either the exchange or the news um, every f- like it's refreshed every 15 minutes right okay so I would say like during there was a time where I had this counter as um, somehow in my watch list. It's mm. called Prestariang. Okay. Mm. Yeah, I was trading on the counter actually, right? Um, and I would say it was about 12 o'clock or 11.50 or something First break, like that. Yeah. midday break. Yeah. And then suddenly like in, in my stock bit, there was the push notification about Prestariang having some sort of uh, con- their contract. Um, got their government contract got, got cancelled or whatever, and I'm like, oh, this is big, yeah, right. So I straight away like sold off my prestarian, mm, mm, mm. and after that, like the news got absorbed over lunchtime, mm. and after lunchtime, when it opened, it just went crash. Yeah. yeah, it just crashed. So that is, you know, like when I was an institutional trader, these are the sort of um, live updates I get from, from Bloomberg. Bloomberg screens <laughs> yeah. and stuff like that, right? Yeah, but you know, um, I suppose like. Um, this has come into the retailer space right now okay. from from the alerts that we are giving in Stockbit. I see. Yeah. I see. 
And in 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 a way, uh, when uh, the three founders or four founders of Stopbit started in, in Indonesia, mm-hmm. have they gotten clearer to in a way how they monetize Stopbit? Um, yeah, I, I I believe so. Um, right. so. In Indonesia, the way we monetize Stockbit is definitely through the brokerage fees. Okay. Yeah, but I would say that Stockbit is still on the on the growth stage. I um, see. So we recently closed our Series C funding. Okay. And I would say that our Series C funding is largely um, contributed by our sister companies. So Stockbit is just like a group, right? So we actually own two platforms. Okay. One is Stockbit and the other one is like Bibit. Okay. Um, Bibit is, I would say, like the stashaway of Indonesia. I see. It's a robo advisory for Indonesia. I would say we are ranked either number one or number two, right? So um, that is where I would say um, the the big monetization comes in as well. Mm, mm, um, mm, and mm. it's easier to monetize, and it's easier to market investing rather than investing in the stock market. Understand? Yeah. Understand. So um, that I mean, uh, Bibit is really growing very very fast. I see. Yeah. I see. And and. Do you see the same uh, monetization method applicable to other countries in the region, in a way? Uh, maybe not right now, but um, in the future, yeah, I think um, it, we, we can perhaps follow the same model. I see, yeah. I see. Um, just one last follow-up question on that. Uh, mm. Is that, um, why do you think uh, by users being more transparent or being more responsible mm-hmm. promotes a better ecosystem? Um, well, I guess it's all about accountability, right? Mm. Um, and it just promotes um, healthier discussion after all. You okay. know, like um, what I understand is um, in in the other alternate channel that is available in Malaysia, um, perhaps like out of 10 uh, comments... Or threats, yeah. Or threats or whatever, you can only find perhaps like one useful um, commentaries. I see. Yeah, so what we are trying to build is just plainly a healthier community a community where um, it can really build your thesis and I would say argument and discussions into a particular stock. Yeah, you can. Of course, um, you know that, I mean, uh, during my time in, in Stockbit, I would say I've gotten various trade ideas from just generous individuals sharing their trade ideas I in see. Stockbit. I see. Yeah. So, um, and I have also kind of like share my ideas in Stockbit um, from time to time. A lot of people, um, I would say, have replied, okay. and it just give me like uh, another angle, and you know, I'm 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 not always right. I'm yeah. still learning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I, I'm in Malaysian market for about only two to three years, right? Uh, okay. So there are still a lot of things that I need to understand, and um, f- by just having a community, it it really um, develops your thesis in a more um, convicting manner. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you you get you you get either opposing viewpoints or mm-hmm. maybe things that maybe you have missed that they will bring up. So yeah. it strengthens your case, lah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly speaking, one person you cannot cover nine hundred yeah. stocks. Exactly, anyway, that's right. right. Exactly. So, and there are so many various good stocks in Malaysia. Yeah. Um, and just leverage on the community, I suppose. Great. Let's talk a little bit about the Malaysian market now, right? Mm. So you've also obviously because of Stockbit mm. taken a look at the Indonesian market. Mm-hmm. And correct me if I'm wrong, I think the Malaysian market is bigger the, in terms of the market yes. cap. It's a, so Malaysia is about trillion. I'm not sure what Indonesia's is. Yeah. So in terms of just purely the number of stocks mm. and and I would say like the volume traded and the value being traded, mm. 
um, especially in 2020, I would say that Malaysia is the highest in the region, I would think. Oh. I mean, I only studied between Malaysia, Singapore and Indonesia. Okay. But um, even Mal- Malaysia value in US dollar terms is higher than um, Singapore. Singapore. And that is pretty remarkable because remember, Singapore's exchange rate is 3 to 1. Yeah. Yeah, so that is, uh, yeah, I mean, last year, I would say Malaysia is really up there, lah, I would say. Wow. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so, because before the podcast, you did mention that you want to talk about the characteristics of the ah. Malaysian market and how unique it is. Yes. And you, yes, so, you, yes. early on, you use, you tease us with words like efficient, uh, in, yes, inefficient. Yeah. And inefficient, all that. yeah. So, mm. maybe, you know, really explain a little bit deeper what you mean by that and really what are the things that you've observed mm-hmm. uh, about the Malaysian market. Okay, so, yeah, um, I would say like, if let's say um, I would like to bring value from Stockbit into the Malaysian setting, for instance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the very immediate value I can think about is just plainly on the fundamental data. Okay. Okay, because um, as everybody knows, um, data is the new oil and um, data is, I mean, data can lead you to think in a certain manner, I would say. Yep. So what I understand, if let's say um, for the three years that I've been here, looking into like from the from the point of view of a retailer, um, and trying to understand the characteristics of um, KLSE, right? It's that number one. Um, <coughs> oh. No, just uh, just just keep talking. Okay. He can keep talking. Okay, okay. <laughs> sure, no problem. Yeah, yeah. So number one, what I can what I can see is that a lot of the aggregator applications that everybody uses, right? Um, a lot of their data is um, is scraped or maybe it's sourced from Bursa Malaysia. And Bursa Malaysia actually have a very summarized view of um, of that data, and it is very much dependent on income statement. Mm. Okay, so so just just again a summary. Um, right now in Malaysia, right, um, the data that you gather from all the places that you have, like all your apps, all your platforms that you regularly visit, it is very very centered on income statement, mm. and this is because the data they gather it from from Bursa Malaysia is basically the summary page. So you will always see, if let's say kind of like an earning season, mm. you look into the Bursa summary page, right? It's always like revenue, profit before tax, profit after tax, earnings uh, EPS, yeah. and then dividend, and then net tangible asset. Yeah. So these are the sort of metrics that you will see in your regular um, apps. Okay. Okay. Um, now this, I would say, is okay. Like mm. a lot of the apps like Galaxy Screener is excellent, right? Mm. Like Stock Hunt or Stock Hunter. Yeah. Stock yeah, Hunter yeah. is okay. Yeah, I use it. <laughs> yeah. And Malaysia Stockbase definitely everybody uses that. Yeah. Right? So um but all of them basically source their information from the same place. I see. Okay. And um it is not that they d- uh, and they do not really own uh the, the data set. Yeah. Okay, they don't own the fundamental data set. They just organize it in a very nice and um, flowy manner. Okay. But that is the problem in itself, right? Because now you have a um, um, like a market which is very very centric on income statement. Mm. Yeah. So what you are seeing is that a lot of people when they try and analyze the stocks, when they talk about stocks, everything is related to the price price earnings ratio. It's right. very very PE based, right? And sometimes it can be even be based on like net tangible assets. Mm. And that in itself, I would say, is okay, but it can be dangerous in a sense also. Yeah. Because, you know, as um, um, as everyone know, like, if you are too focused on PE, mm-hmm. you, are, you are really, like, forgetting about all the other angles that could be crucial in an investment. Correct. So, for instance, things like chess, um, cash level. Yeah. Are you actually getting paid for, for the revenue that you're getting, for the income that you're making, right? 
and um, like what is the leverage level. So this sort of thing are not really visible in Malaysian market, I would mm. say, because mm. just plainly because the data is very very centered on in, um, income statement. I see. Mm. And so um, yeah, so for instance, maybe if I can give you guys an example. Mm, yeah, maybe like there's a there's a counter in Malaysia that is I would say they they are like IT provider or something like that, okay. like a software provider. Okay. And it's trading at like a single digit PE, mm. right? Mm-mm. But if you really dig deeper, mm-hmm. you are like you are seeing that you know this company has never been paid <laughs> ever. <laughs> like they, they they have been like collecting revenue, they've been making tons and tons of profit, but they have never get paid. Like ever, you know, like um, from one year their accounts receivables is like that, and then from another year they they their balance sheet in like long term <laughs> asset grows by one line, yeah. and then by another line, <laughs> it's just a matter of time before things gets impact, right? So, yeah. so I think that's that's something that um, have to be taken into account as well, and I hope that if let's say Stockbit do get bigger and do expand in Malaysia, it's something that we can address. I'm I'm looking forward to the day. Yeah, you 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 have our full uh, yeah, moral yeah. support. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <Thank you. laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So, uh, so, uh, so that's basically PE focus, earnings focus. That's something you think that uh, in and of itself is not bad. It's mm-hmm. just when it's only P focus or yeah, only yeah. earnings focus. What mm. are the things that you see in the Malaysian market where you go like, yeah, that needs to change? Yeah. Yeah. Big so gaps that you see. Yeah, so um, again, for instance, like um, the data that is being collected and collated in Malaysian market, um, it doesn't really serve purpose for instance, like, um, you know, sometimes when you talk about a PE ratio of 20, right? Mm. And then a lot of, um, I would say, Malaysian an- analysts or analysis uh, by retailers, they like to compare this by peers. Mm. But that in itself um, is just one way of looking into mm-hmm. things, right? Okay. Maybe what you can do is you can uh, you should be able to look into it from a historical point of view as well mm. of the company because every company, uh, it might not be like an apple-to-apple comparison. That's, that's right. right, that's right. Yeah. So, um, and if it is just so income-based and income-focused, like an PE-focused, right, you will never kind of like, I would suppose um, the phrase that I would like to find is like, the next big thing, mm. yeah. So, um, because if let's say you're so PE focused, you will you will just ignore all the companies that is like loss making and things like that. You are not really like looking into things into companies that in the future can make a, a big difference. So um, that's I would say um, another thing. And uh, yeah, I think also in Malaysia, I would say that um, a lot of things are very concentrated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's pretty easy to push a price, I would say. Oh, yeah. okay. Um, <laughs> because... It can teach us all. Yeah, yeah like, institution. Uh, I mean, there, there are like so many, I mean, like retailers are, uh, are mainly cramped into like, I would say, a few channels, mm. right? And so if let's say I, if let's say Stockbit is part and parcel of the entire ecosystem, then at least we have an alternative channel as well. So um, people can kind of like segregate the uh, the information that they get, and also you know um, they don't just uh, rely on one particular channel to 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 shape their perception. Yeah, yeah. If not, then they will fall into a lot of biases. Uh, a lot of bias, a lot of traps. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's interesting that you say that the okay. 
following on to that Malaysian uh, investors, retail investors crowd into one, do you see the same nuances? Because you've invested in um, the Indonesian market, um, the Indian market or the Chinese market. Do you see similarities in that or is this very nuanced to just the Malaysian market? That people no, no. I think uh, um, Stockbit in itself um, in Indonesia, uh-huh. it also falls into the same trap. I see. Uh, but I would say that, um, I mean, uh, sorry, Stockbit, uh, Indonesian community in Indonesia also follow the same trap in okay. Stockbit. Okay. Because Stockbit is, um, I would say, like one of the the main um, aggregator of information of sto- uh, of community. Okay. But yeah, um, in terms of like India market and US market, I would say that it's a lot more vibrant and because it's such a big market, right? And I see. And you don't really have a place where you can just crowd information into one place. Ah, okay. Yeah. Interesting. So, <laughs> I, I I guess that's just how the cookie crumbles, right? Because mm-hmm. it's a question of size. Mm. Or, although Indonesia is huge, lah. Where, but in terms of the number of investors, mm. I know he, India is is massive. massive. Mm-hmm. Uh, US goes without saying. But Malaysia is only a trillion ringgit market, right? Yeah. So mm. I guess we be fair to say that this is not a problem that we can really solve, but we can kind of reduce or mitigate. Um. Yes, I suppose so. Um, I don't really know how to answer that yeah, question specifically, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think you can you can perhaps just kind of like make um make it easier for retail investors to to trade in a more healthier manner, lah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I the SC should really look into that. The bursa should really look into that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So what are some of the, what are some of the weirdest things that you've seen in Malaysia that you don't really see elsewhere uh, apart from like selling of properties that you mentioned earlier? Um, hmm. I can't think of anything off. Okay, we're right not now. that weird. We're not that weird. <laughs> yeah, we're not that <laughs> weird. You guys can share with me <laughs> some <Yeah>. examples. <laughs> no, actually, actually, one of the things that uh, uh, we realize about the Malaysian market is actually not. Like is if you're in the Malaysian market, what we mm-hmm. realize is that people think mm. that is very different. Like here, yeah. it's all about you know palm and dam, and mm. it's not efficient and all that. But places in the US a lot better. I always bring up the story of GameStop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. true. If you think it's yeah. so, uh, it's so efficient there, right? GameStop would have never happened. Right? <laughs> it's true. So mm-hmm. I I think that it's uh yes I I do agree with you that definitely the Malaysian market has own new ones. I don't know about yeah. you, John. What, yeah. what do you find I, to be unique about the Malaysian market? I I think what 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 Rondi has said is I I just wanted to tease out of him right. Was there any new ones that we yeah, might have missed? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. And what I found based on his feedback is that actually we're almost the same. You know. Yeah, we, very similar. Yeah, very very similar. Uh, what does surprise me was that stat because I've never really looked into the Indonesian market. I mean. Mm-hmm. You guys are like what three hundred million population? Two mm-hmm. three hundred million. We are one tenth the you know, size. Fourth largest country in the world, right? By population. Yeah, fourth. Yeah, yeah. 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 Right and after U.S. and and right yet after our China, Brazil, U.S. Yeah, yeah. And our capital markets are bigger. That's where. Exactly. That's where I I'm trying to. And we're not even big. That's the thing. <laughs> we are bigger in Indonesia, <laughs> but we're yeah. not big, you know. Malaysia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 We are we're only behind, I think, Thailand and Singapore or something like that. Okay, mm. yeah. But I think maybe, you know, just another part which I I would like to touch is that um, recently there is, I mean, we all know that in 2020, um, all of us can see some sort of paradigm shift mm-hmm. in, in the space of um, the power of retail. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, I think that in itself, provides you with a very, very good opportunity. Mm. Um, and, you know, uh, being in Stockbit at the moment, although I 
I'm not Stockbit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stockbit in itself is just a technological pl- platform. But okay. a lot of people kind of like associate me as Stockbit. Oh, I you're see. not the dean of Stockbit. No, <laughs> that's the thing. Well, I mean, we we should always be separated. <laughs> yeah, I, like my I I'm just a content writer. In yeah. Stockbit, right? Okay. But at the same time, of course, I try to um to make it grow in Malaysia. Sure. Um. So what has happened is that you know um I would say this year again when 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 John comes um asking me about how how do we monetize in Malaysia, right, right, yeah, right. Yeah. honestly speaking like um I'm not monetizing myself ever you know stockbit is not monetizing in any way yeah we we don't own like an educational platform mm-hmm. we don't we don't own like all this like uh, a buy call sell call channels and stuff like everything that I provide uh, as a trading ideas it's free and it's in stockbit everybody can access it mm-hmm. um but I would say that an intangible manner of where um, I personally has been getting paid mm. is that I believe that Stockbit now has become like a recognized ecosystem mm. in that um, I have gathered a lot of connections. You know, I, I meet people like you guys, mm. right? Mm. I meet a lot of um, corporate managements who would like to get in touch because um, they, they understand that Stockbit is also a part of an aggregator for retailers. Mm. So they would like to get in touch with the retail community and stuff like that. And so like what I have provided then is just um, a platform where we can communicate with the directly with yeah, management. Mm. Um, and, you know, so this kind of like bring, um, I would say, information to another level. Mm. Yeah, so even, even for my personal kind of like investments prior to this i've always um, preferred to invest in um, i would say like a, a more transparent market in the u.s mm. but of late like i i have realized that i'm starting to really bring a lot more investments back home wow. especially on companies which i have spoken to the management mm. right so i guess everything is all about access to information yes um, and right now i think for me personally, um, because of Stockbit, I have, um, I mean, I'm blessed with the opportunity to have this sort of access to various um, influencers in retailers, right, in, in the retail space, um, fund managers, mm. and also investor relations and definitely management. Okay. So I would say like, uh, for instance, um, a really, a really, really good stock that um, I had the opportunity and the privilege to interview um, I would say end November, early December was okay. like, for instance, DNO, right? Oh, DNO. Mm. Okay. Yeah, so I spoke to Casey. We host like a we host like a Zoom live session. Okay. And I think there were a good like 600, 700 people who joined the session, and we really just had like a very, very good informative information from um, the management himself. From the horse's mouth. Yeah, directly. from the horse's mouth, and we totally understand what the business is doing mm, because mm. you you the thing is, for instance, like for me because um, my understanding in tech semiconductor um, tech manufacturing is not like tip top I mean I can definitely learn from you like you know uh, <laughs> we're still learning as well yeah, yeah but but like um, so that's why you are never you're never like very highly convicted into investing into it yeah agree. but once once you talk to like the management you are able to see what they actually do mm. um, and you are able to see the business horizon that it is painting yeah it's it's like a totally different thing. Like yeah. After that particular session, I was so sold. Unfortunately, <laughs> I was not able to visit their factory even oh. though they invited us. Oh. Um, huh. Yeah, because of MCO and stuff. I see. But um, it, yeah, it, it just goes into another level of, um, you know, access to information, conviction into a particular investment, right? So we, so I personally, um, I, I suppose I personally benefited in that. Mm. So I started investing in it. Of course, 
um, the the share price rally has become uh, pretty insane. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and it's actually very, very funny. And I would say, if let's say you are you're talking about how how weird Malaysia yeah, 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 yeah. is, right? So what what happened then, for instance? Yeah, even if even in this DNO chat, right? Um, out of the entire, I would say, two hours chat. Okay. Um, a lot of people kind of like screenshot this and that, and like the retailers, uh, basically just focus on like the major customers, uh, kind of like. And yes. then screenshot. Oh, there's a Tesla. There, there's a new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they just create kind of like hype. Yeah. This particular <laughs> deep stock. <laughs> but you know, um, I mean, hype is one thing, but um, that definitely I would think um, help to accelerate the price appreciation of DNO, mm. especially to become like a retailer darling, right? Mm. But um, at the bottom of it all, like this is a very very solid company mm. and which has like a very uh, good business growth and business horizon. Mm, yeah. mm, mm. All right, yeah. I think we'll definitely have another DNO podcast. Oh, definitely in the next one. Yeah, but now let's shift to a little bit about what you're doing uh, today outside of Stormbit, yeah. right? So you're saying that you're managing some family office money yeah, now. Yeah. Uh, not too much about the investors and whatnot, but mm-hmm. more about your. The way you look at investing now, yeah. mm-hmm. now that you've stepped out of uh, the institutions mm-hmm. um, and you're now one of the small guys, you know, they're part of the retail space. Mm-hmm. And so how how you describe your investing style today? Do you, st- do you miss your Bloomberg, most importantly? I actually <laughs> still, uh, I'm fortunately, I still have my Bloomberg. Oh, yeah, I so, see. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, well... Um, how do I look into my investing and investment? Well, um, because I am managing a couple of um, family funds, okay, and I suppose like um, different portfolio have a sort of like a different mandate, okay. So some of them are like extremely safe um, wealth preservation kind of like portfolio. Some of them um, allows me to um, to manage on an annual absolute basis. Oh, yeah, but some of them are, um, yeah. So so for those that uh, would like it to be like a wealth preservation sort of um, investment. So yeah, that 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 is something that I really like okay. uh, because then I can be a, a long-term investor into mm. something without having too much pressure. And I think that is, I would say, um, who I would like to characterize myself with the most. So I would think that, I mean, okay, honestly speaking, like there is too much um, definition on growth, value. Yeah, yeah. All this sort <laughs> yeah. of kind of like. Tell us about it, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would, I, I mean, um, I'm personally, uh, I would say if let's say you want to talk about it in that sense, I'm more, I have a I have a slight bias towards growth investing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, so I invested, uh, I would say like one of my biggest and best investments so far is um, I invested in Tesla back in right. 2018. Okay. Nice. Um, yeah, actually that's a funny story as well because I think I there are like some uh, clips in YouTube that you can see me talk about Tesla in 2019 when, when I was like 50% down. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, um, so that... That was like uh, one of my investment mm. um, because yeah I'm, I'm more tilted towards growth I suppose I see yeah I see so what are some of the things when you see an investment right well some of the first few things you look at you say I need to know the answer to these these questions yeah, probably a, a a rough checklist of what you you know what you will run through when you when you screen through an investment yeah, yeah. so definitely um, sorry just coming back to 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 my previous uh, talk about like 
um, investing in a company, right? Yeah. yeah. So I think I think that's the main the main pro- the uh, I would say one of the main criteria. So you invest in the company, you invest, you don't really look into like the price too much. Mm. Um, you think of a company whether it's gonna be big in the future or not. So mm. that was what I had in for Tesla. So in back in 2018, it was super deep value. Okay. Although it's 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 categorized as growth, but it was deep value, right? Okay. A lot of people did not see um, did not see what I saw back then. Okay. And um, so that's number one. Uh, like even right now, I mean, I. I I totally agree that in terms of the timeline on where the price is at the moment, it is overvalued. Okay. Tesla at this price, I would actually think when I was back in 2018, I would think that Tesla at this price would only happen, I would say maybe in 2023 <laughs> or something. Okay. Like that. Right. But it actually happened today. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it is all about business, I would think. Like I see. I, I would definitely invest um, in an idea. I would invest in a business. Um I think that's that's the main thing. So, for instance, like companies, companies like DNO, it became like uh, it became like one of my core investment right now in Malaysia. I see. Um, and it is also because I had the opportunity to meet management, I understand the business, and I would like to see it develop from quarter to quarter and stuff like that. I understand. I've I've got two two follow on questions. Mm. The first one was uh, obviously uh, you shared with us the success of your invest. When were the times that you actually made a mistake? And uh, what did you learn from it, actually? Yeah, so um, I made I made a lot of mistakes. Like okay. I would say, too many mistakes. <laughs> like I can remember. Yeah. What were the key learnings out of this? Yeah, so I would say, like you know, um, when I first moved into the Malaysian market, okay, I, I was still very fresh. Like I see. I don't really understand the market. I would say, and and I jumped the gun because um, I believe in the story. So okay, I mean, this was quite. Well documented in Stockbit, you can actually find oh, okay. in Stockbit. Okay, okay. Like so about this counter called Yongtai. So okay. I, I never of it. So, yeah, so <laughs> I actually invested in Yongtai because um, I believed in the project. Oh, Yongtai, Y O N. Okay, yes, yeah, I have the company. Yeah, yeah, the Malacca uh, property company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I believed in the um, you know, in in the project that they were building, but it, it was just at the end of the day, the execution wasn't right. I see. Um, and the company made a lot of kind of uh, I would say misjudgments. Okay. Yeah, and. So it, it just didn't happen. I see. Um, so what I learned from there is, you know, I guess um, you, I mean, I, I should have, I actually should have cut loss a lot earlier. Okay. Because I was invited to watch the show. Um, ah. I think there was, I mean, it's it's called Encore, Malai- uh, Mal- uh, Encore Malaysia or something like that. Okay. Yeah, and they they had they had this show in Malacca, right? So mm-hmm. I was I was there during the first day of the show, and I didn't think it was that good okay so um it already fell kind of like some of my expectations i see yeah. i and see and i believe you know i i kind of like held on to it a little bit too long because i felt i have invested quite a, a bit of um trying to understand about the business. man hours you've spent yeah, yeah. so i i, I kind of like dilly dally about it and when i actually cut loss it was uh, a massive like 60 percent loss or something like i that. see yeah. i see uh, uh yeah sorry yeah, yeah sorry just one last one for, mm. for related to that because he said he mentioned randy mentioned earlier about access to information and in yeah, Malaysia right. he, he get he get access to management and all that mm. but then uh what i mean what advice would you give or how, how is your opinion about Investing in Tesla where you don't really have access, I mean direct access. I assume you don't have Elon's phone yeah, number. Yeah, phone right? number. Unless you do, then then <laughs> it's a different story. <laughs> yeah, but I would say, I mean, this is the good thing about the US market, right? Because yeah. um, there are plenty of information available everywhere. Mm. So, so okay, maybe like, uh, like for instance, like 
what what you guys are doing in in Malaysia, like your YouTube and trying to explain about companies, those are like excellent. Like I I thank you. salute you guys for for doing that because thank it's you. something that Malaysia really really need. Thank you. Right. Yeah. And um, you know, th- but these sort of things in 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 the U.S. market is a plenty. Yes, I, I completely right. agree. Yeah, that's so why we don't use do U.S. stocks at all. <laughs> earnings call, uh, uh, deep dive reviews. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that is why I feel like um, I've always kind of like tilt myself towards U.S. in the beginning. Uh, it's just because of this excess of information. Like even even during that time when Tesla was kind of like well hated by the Wall Street. Yeah, and there was not so much retail um, interest inside. But there was still like you know, um, I would say like a Tesla cult or something. You know, uh, right, right. That that was really, really extremely bullish and trying to tell people what they see. I see. Yeah. So I'm I'm not I'm not like a pioneer in 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 investing in Tesla because in in the beginning I was also one of the person that looked into Tesla's fundamentals and I was like, hey, this is a short, right? But, <laughs> yeah. but the more you look into it and the more you try to understand it, and I suppose like my investment in StockBit kind of helped because. I see. Because you know, like um, when when I start going into uh, startup investment, um, trying to think of things like a VC, uh-huh. you are you are you are supposed to think out of the box. Yeah, not just all the things that traditional fundamental metrics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you know, um, a lot of all these like value investing courses tells you, oh, you need to. Uh, there are like twelve steps. You know. Yeah. Uh, Increasing revenue, <laughs> and then increasing yeah, profit. Right. ROE yeah. have to be above twelve percent. Yeah, Everything is, you know, box. It's it's like inside a box, right? And yeah. and it, that kind of like it's not gonna help you to, to 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 come up with like an idea which is gonna give you like a multi bagger returns. Yeah, yeah. Got it. Um, Got it. So yeah, I mean that's 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 that I suppose. Right, right. How do you like? I guess the question is, uh, you know, to your earlier point about uh, Yong Tai, right? Yeah, yeah. I think what is interesting is that you did have access to information I did, from management. I did, yeah, I did. So one thing I always tell p- retailers is that it's actually not just about the access to information; it's the yeah. proper analysis. Yes. Yeah. Right. And so my question to you is, what made you not uh, cut loss sooner? What was the thing stopping you from doing that? Yeah. So. Um, so basically, like for Yong Tai, again, it was in, in the beginning, it was a story, right? It was mm. like a, a story build up, like they're going to do this, they're going to do that, and the projections are here, and it looks all good. Mm. Um, so a lot of people invested into it. Yeah, I see. You know, when, when the execution comes, and I was there during the first day of the execution, during the, f- the opening kind of like of Encor Malacca, and I was there, and I didn't think that it was, um, it matches my expectations. So I see. Then and then I should have, I guess, um, took a red flag, right? Mm. But I, I held on and I held on because I thought um, they are just going to turn it around somewhat. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, like, the management is good. Like, um, the owner have, uh, like, extremely passionate about what they are trying to build and achieve. Mm-hmm. It's just that um, the execution was not there. I see. Yeah, and I think that is what is important. And perhaps maybe don't just get too caught up about an investment. If mm-hmm. let's say it is something that you are not, it's not, it's not within your expectation. Um, perhaps you just have to cut it uh, and move on. Yeah, uh, and, yeah and, on. and you mentioned something very interesting as well is that because you spent so much investment in terms of your time and mental mm. effort into the mm-hmm. stock, that actually kind of stopped you from making the more yeah, so rational. You, yeah, so, so like invested in the stock, emotionally like, attached. Yeah, yeah. emotionally attached. Again, I mean, um, 
I guess we we will learn over time, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. All these things, um, as much as you can say, uh, or maybe as much as I can say, I have been there, done that. Um, yeah. I've been an institutional trader, <laughs> but seriously, like, in terms of emotional um, aspect of trading and investing, it's it's still lacking. Like, you, you still need to improve on that. There you go, guys. Yeah. I think yeah. this is yeah. a very very <laughs> important note because a lot of the fallacy that a lot of uh, retail investors especially they think mm-hmm. that once you have investment banking or yeah. you know all this experience right Voila. you have an edge you know no i have a lot of fund manager friends as well and you know we discuss things time and time again yeah you know like especially last year when we talk about um, rubber gloves and all that <laughs> we are like trying to convince each other that it is still going on <laughs> <laughs> and support I mean, group support group yeah. <laughs> that doesn't help that your good friends with Niago right no no, no but, but I mean honestly speaking <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm still invested in right right, right. yeah right, same right. right now right now my supermax is like 30 or 40% under mm. I mean year to date because yeah, I, yeah, of I course. took things from the first day of, of the course, year of course yeah. um, but I'm still invested in it I, I mean I still believe in the story yeah. and I, I just think that you know um investing a little bit of your money, maybe I would say like 10% allocation into in your portfolio in gloves, um, it makes a lot of sense uh, because yeah. it's got value, it's got yield and everything. It, it's got real cash, real earnings, not... Yeah, yeah. 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 But uh, uh, like, uh, you know, we were we were interviewing another fund manager just mm-hmm. last... Uh, we won't review his name because we're going to keep it as a surprise. Okay. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, but by the time this comes out, they will know oh, who yeah, it is already. Oh, yeah, they will know who it is already. Yeah, so yeah, okay, yeah. you can just say it, no yeah, problem. Yeah, yeah. So, so, Pe- so Peter, he, he gave ah, these okay. three things, right? So he says, yeah. is a stock price will move for three things. Mm. Uh, one is uh, earnings growth that is exceeding expectation. Mm-hmm. Two is analyst re-rating. And the mm. third thing he, he couldn't qualify, he just called it market follow-through. Mm. Yeah, follow-through interest. Follow-through interest. Yeah, and that's true. And, and you know, after he said that, and I, I reflect back, or, or I, I've been invested in the Malaysian market ever since 2008. Uh, mm. Of all the times right, I invested. Mm. And I realized I look back at the, that, that amount of accumulated experience. Not, not to say any wiser, I'm still learning. But yeah. it's so true because... Uh, you can be so right at your valuations, mm-hmm. but if there's no follow-through interest, yeah, yeah, mm. that that's it, you know, and and that's where the patient game the and patient game the yes. patient game is so important because you know I I just recorded a video for our SIB clients this morning mm-hmm. about market cycles and you know fundamentally business is doing well, mm-hmm. but the price can take a beating for three years and that's where the inefficiencies of the market are. Is yeah, like, yeah, it's true. Like, yeah. um, I think you know, like, um. A lot of people uh, that follows me in the stock bit, um, I and also like just normal friends and here, here okay. and there, right? Like I've always told them that sometimes um, a stock might be. I mean, you know, you're invested in a stock, yeah, and you you believe that its true value is a lot higher than that, yeah. But it just didn't move for ev- for maybe like about a year or a year and a half. But yeah. seriously, like I would say that sometimes in a life cycle of a stock. Mm-hmm. You need to stay invested in that four trading days where it just jumped like crazy. Yeah, and spot sense. on, yeah. spot on. And if you miss those, like just one or two or three or four days, yes, and that particular um, opportunity is gone forever. Wow, spot on. Be- gold, golden words, uh, Randy. Really. Yeah, it it is. Uh, it is golden words. Actually, yeah. I'm just pulling up. Uh, you can ask. I'm just pulling up a stat. Uh, <laughs> yeah. that I shared on Instagram <laughs> yeah. right, right, right. about the probabilities of actually making money based on the timeline. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the basic principle is so what I what I actually did was I actually took uh data S and P five hundred data mm-hmm. all the way back to like nineteen twenty six or something like that, mm. and I actually calculated the returns right based on time frame. So I think. The shortest time frame was uh, one 
one day, mm-hmm. and then I think the longest was was it a year? I think it was a year. It was, it was a, a year, year, right? Yeah. It was so a year. Uh, where is it? Uh, just give me a Okay. So so basically, the title was like why day trade, why you don't do day trading, and why no swing trading. I know you're a ten percent swing trader based on your bio. <laughs> yeah. But uh, why do long percent? And I guess yeah. that's why it's ten percent, right? So. Yeah. With your ninety five years of data, right? You uh, you you have a two more than two percent chance of making three point two five percent a a, a day, day. Mm. and a and a three quarters chance of making less than zero point five percent a day. Mm. So the odds yeah. are already against you. And basically, what the, my conclusion was, if you include trading costs, right? Basically, you're working three and a half, yeah, a, yeah, a three yeah. or four times, three yeah. or four days. You're not making money. <laughs> no, basically. I mean, um, I mean, as many years in the market, I think the 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 big the big money has always been in the holding lah. Yeah, that, that's those, right. If let's say you hold into a business that is extremely good and you have the patience to do it and you yeah. have patience to, for it to like blossom to its fair value, mm. I think you 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 will most of the time succeed. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah I'm heartened to hear it from a prop trader because <laughs> <laughs> I, I we are uh, right, guys. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, because no. Uh, we we know people in the industry mm-hmm. and uh, this one this one particular acquaintance that we know. I mean, he's a, he's actually a client that um, mm. he he actually is uh, he works very closely with the CIMB prop traders. Mm-hmm. And he was like uh, sharing with me that uh, these guys actually make tons of money, mm. but it's really on a pers- on like what you say basis points, and mm. because the volume is big. Yeah. But over the long run, he says it's very it's very stressful because mm. it's like it, it, like what you said that your your spreadsheet is just blinking, and you you gotta be yeah. You know, the the, the window is so small, right? Yeah, not only that. I mean, like you know, yeah, you you're trading in um, Japan Korean market. You gotta be in the office by seven. It opens. <laughs> oh yeah. Eight, right? Oh yeah. And you're trading in India where it's um, the hours go on. Uh, I mean, the closing time is like six thirty p.m. So right. you're literally in the office whole day. Whole day, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, man. Uh, j- just just to share with everyone, yeah, right? Yeah. So for long term investing as well, right? You have mm. a seventy percent chance of making five plus percent a year. Mm-hmm. 58% chance of making 10% a year and 38% chance of making 20% a year. Yeah. Mm. So, so the, the odds are really good la, in your favor, basically, guys, uh, yeah. for those of you are listening. Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. So you share with us, uh, let's not talk about your, your bad investments, right? Let's talk yeah. a little bit about your better better investments, right? We, okay, I'm going to guess it's Tesla, but what yeah. would you say is your best investment so far in your, what, 12 years of uh, investing? Or- yeah, I mean, I think um, Tesla is definitely, I would say, um, the one that, you know, a lot of people, um, when they come up with like a definition, um, like what what sort of like traits defines you and <laughs> make you like up there, right? I think for me that's Tesla. Um, okay. I I mean back in twenty eighteen again as I mentioned, like I've always been like a short Tesla guy. Okay. It's just that I would say around quarter three of their result when they actually managed to prove me wrong. Okay. And I was like, hey, you know, this stock can actually work. Okay. And as a matter of fact, they have such a big roadmap in the future, mm. and they're gonna disrupt like trillion dollar industries in the in the in the just um, automotive, and they're not even an automotive player, right? Yeah. <laughs> they're actually like yeah. an energy company. Correct. And even if let's say automotive is just part of the energy company, and even in that automotive um, component, they are not just cars. They're like you know internet on wheels and stuff like yeah. that. So um, you know um, in the future where you can look into um, cars that is driving itself and and all these things, I think Tesla's margin is not going to be just like the automotive margin. Mm. It's you know as Elon Musk even said, like I would say about a quarter or two ago. 
he actually mentioned to the analyst that once you kind of like include the FSD margin coming in, mm. the automotive margin is just going to be a joke, mm. right? So um, I think I have like, you know, like Tesla is, is like in a, I would say in a timeline. Mm. <coughs> so when I first started investing in Tesla, I, b- I totally believe that it can easily be a trillion dollar company. Okay. So um, it's going to maybe take five years or 10 years. Um, I actually thought it was going to take 10 years. Okay. From 2018 to 2028. 2028. But right. we are there in 20. Oh, we're almost there in 2021. <laughs> right. So, I mean, I can say like, for instance, it's, you know, like a business is linear in their mm. progression, right? Yes. To where it's, you know, it's going to be. It's just that the stock market is just going to fluctuate up and down. Correct. Um, so right now, definitely, we are at a point where it is above the linearity of the business growth. Okay. So it is overvalued as compared to the timeline. Okay. But maybe if let's say you're a long-term trader, right? Sorry, long-term investor mm-hmm. in, in, in Tesla, it is it is still there are still a lot more room for it to grow, la, I would mm. say. Mm. But of course, um, you definitely need to have the patience and you need to understand where you are um, and position yourself accordingly, I would say. Okay. What do you think is, uh, so that I give you a chance, so that you're just mm-hmm. not purely bullish on this, so that when, yeah. when you listen back, in case you made a mistake, <laughs> yeah. at least you were aware of this, right? The, so what do you say is is really uh, the risk when it comes to Tesla? Well, now take, mm. take the other side of the... The idea. devil's advocate view. Yeah. Yeah, um, I would say that it's, the, the biggest risk in Tesla is um, it's so reliant on one person, and mm. which is the CEO in itself. Mm-hmm. Right? So if anything happens to Tesla, uh, sorry, if anything happens to Elon Musk, I would say that a lot of the um, the roadmap and what it's trying to achieve and stuff like that, it will, I guess, will have some impact and mm. it'll, it'll be shaken in a sense. Um, and there will be a lot of uncertainties. But other than that, like, um, if we are looking into a company that is really going to disrupt the future, I think it's um, Tesla is definitely one of it. I see. Nice. Okay. So Tesla is your your best, so and uh, Yongtai is not your best. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. But I think you know, like, um, I guess uh, where we are at the moment, I also would like to, you know, just just as I mentioned to um, kind of like the owner of my family funds, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I actually did mention to them that um, this year I am not expecting such a good year mm. because. Um, some of them, like even my Tesla position, is still one of the biggest, and I do expect some sort of correction. It's just normal, right? Regression to the mean. Yeah, because yeah, it went up so much, right? Yeah. Yeah, correct. So I mean, I have sold some positions um, of Tesla last year towards the end, you know. Um, but I, it is still, I mean, to do some sort of like rebalancing of the books. Yeah. Because seriously, because uh, what Tesla had done last year, <laughs> it grew so much. Yeah. Then. Like, um, my it, it just ruined my entire um, allocation. Allocations. And stuff. <laughs> do do so you mind sharing like what was the position before and then after? Yeah. I mean, so, so percentage wise. Yeah. So yeah. Tesla, okay, for one of my portfolio, which I really like because it's, I have an absolute kind of like return right. uh, performance based on it. Okay. So Tesla was like, I would say about 30% of the equity portion of the portfolio, okay. which, which was in the beginning of the year. Um, okay, well, towards the towards the crash, I was about 50% cash. Okay. But Tesla was still... Um, so during that time, I would say Tesla was about 50% of the equity portfolio. Okay. Yeah, so um, yeah, it has... I, I think last year, it went up by like five or six times, right? So yeah, so that's why like, I had to rebalance towards the end um, because I would like to have more cash and stuff like that. Okay. And, um, I, of course, I do not want to enter this year with Tesla being such a big position in my entire right. portfolio. Mm-hmm. So, um, but even right now, you know, um, as I mentioned to 
some of the family fund um, that I'm managing, right? Um, I don't really expect this year to be pretty good because I do feel like there is gonna be a correction in Tesla. Mm. It's just okay. it's just a reversion to mean. But again, um, I also kind of like um, this would be one of the year that I you know when when it comes to growth and value and stuff like that to that definition Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So. I would say that um, this year I diversify more than ever. So I am starting to, I mean, I still own some of the growth, high aggressive growth stocks okay. um, in my portfolio. But at the same time, I am trying to venture more into, I would say, like a, a low PE sort of like a mm-hmm. recovery stock um, Yeah, in, in, in Malaysia and also overseas. I see. So, um, and rubber gloves for sure. Right, yeah. And, and I think uh, maybe like just, uh, an advice right so um whenever you are looking into like the high growth um aggressive kind of like stocks yeah i would say that just stick to those that is market leader la, in that yeah. space yeah those that is extremely good in terms of their fundamentals those in which um the the previous quarter uh, result which is the q4 especially when we are talking about um, semiconductor stocks yeah tech manufacturing stocks you're gonna you you have been seeing them to continuously growing. They like they they've delivered they la, rather delivered than just a promise of a story yeah, la. They have delivered and they they recorded like new record year and stuff like that. Yeah, I, mean, I think those are the stocks that you can still be invested in. Otherwise, just be careful la. Yeah, just just so you know, MJ and I uh, we we really hate the definition of the growth dividend whatsoever <laughs> we, we just we just said you're an investor period you know you know yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's 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 how i mean all of us are value investing yeah exactly. all of yeah. us are value investor right? yeah, so yeah yeah you you wouldn't buy something if you didn't think it was undervalued la, of the end of day. Yeah. yeah now okay so just by those few sentences i already have so many questions to okay. ask you today, okay <laughs> so the first one is very interesting uh you mentioned very briefly but i call it which is that you're 50 percent you were 50 percent cash. cash yeah what is today what is the what is the cash balance today okay so right now um i am i would say about 25 percent cash okay uh-huh. i'm 25 percent cash um but yeah um i am I don't know. I I'm actually sitting in quite a uncomfortable position. I would mm. say because mm-hmm. I don't really know where the market is gonna go. Uh, honestly speaking, mm-hmm. like I do I do feel um, you know when 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 I speak to Nyago in um, in Stockbit, he yeah. he kind of like highlights to me how how the market is really a little bit overheating, yeah. especially in the tech sector and stuff like that. But at the same time. You can't really be not investing at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I think True. the biggest risk, if any, if anything, is not being investing at all. Like right? what you said, uh, the three, four days, man. You never know yeah, when it's yeah, going to yeah. happen. So you need to invest, but yeah. at the same time, you do know that a certain sort of um, a certain sort of sector or something like that is a little bit overheated. Yeah. Right? So, I guess you just have to manage it, like, Which is why um, this year more than ever. Um, I am really realigning my portfolio into uh, a very balance between uh, the so-called growth and the so-called value. Yeah, and understand, uh, understand. And defensive. Yeah, it, uh, does it help that the money that you manage or the family office fund that you manage, um, if you have a local-only mandate or mm-hmm. a global mandate, does it help in a way? Um, yeah, I think so. Um, okay, so for me, I think um, the good thing about um, managing... Um, my family funds is that um, they give me the flexibility of what I want because honestly speaking, um, I know that most often than not, people always say you should be objective in the way you um, approach investment. Mm-hmm. You should always have one characteristics and stick by it. Okay. But I personally, um, I'm still holding um, towards like 
the more flexible type of investment. Like I can be, you know, I I like to have the dynamic where I'm flexible. Uh, mm, uh, mm, one mm. day I would like to be um, more biased on so-called like aggressive and growth. I see. Another time I would like to be more aggressive of value and mm. stuff like that. Mm. Yeah. So. Um, so I'm not like complete arc invest or like complete <laughs> Warren Buffett, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So hybrid, um, hybrid. I would say, yeah. Again, I'm still learning. I understand. Um, but I just try and see what works, lah. Yeah, I was leading that question from the mm. point of because you've you've had experience with Indian markets and and mm. and China and whatsoever, right? And compared to saying that, let's just say certain stocks within Malaysian market are overheated, mm-hmm. like tech, tech companies being valued at what, 70, 80 or 100 yeah, PE, yeah, right? Yeah. But because if you have a global mandate, mm-hmm. then in a way you have opportunities to see more undervaluation of stocks versus yeah, yeah, that yeah. of Malaysian. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it it still baffles me that, you know, um, a company like TSMC is trading at the <laughs> valuation. <laughs> you just took my, you you literally yeah. took the words <laughs> out of my mouth because I was just sharing this with Vitrox trading at 77. Uh-huh. PE, uh, the, the, the earnings is like one quarter, no, yeah, less yeah, than yeah. a quarter of TSMC. Yeah, yeah, and TSMC yeah. is trading at 32. So Correct. So, <laughs> I mean, it just baffles me how TSMC, SMIC, um, LAM Research are trading at like a valuation discount to whatever its uh, Malaysian counterparts. Right? Yeah. It, it really baffles me as well. But at the same time, I guess this is where um, your, uh, I would say, how you understand the market mm. is. Uh, mm. Because right now, I'm, I'm at a level where I'm starting to really, really understand the characteristics of the Malaysian market. Mm. And this kind of like sticks into the Malaysian market, I suppose. Yes. So this yes. is also where I, I suppose like um, historical, um, historical comparative um, is important. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah. So I think that's the answer. <laughs> I was I was just sharing an MMJ and I said if you look at Vitrox today, seventy seven, yeah. right? But you do price adjustments and everything. Yeah. Historical, they used to trade at 120 PE. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah DNO is 128, right? Who, who's, yeah. to, who's to say it's a bad investment? Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. Um, bro, I got DNO to you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah y- you know, uh, you know, speaking, building on John's question, right? Uh, mm. What uh, do you know your cash, uh, sorry, not your cash, your country geography allocation is right now? And mm. also, you mentioned earlier on that 25% is making you a bit uncomfortable in terms of cash position. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what would make you comfortable? Two questions. Yeah, I mean, okay, so uh, country specifications, I would say, um, I mean, uh, the US is still one of, uh, I would say, my biggest one. Okay. But I am seeing more and more um, investments that is being shifted to Malaysia right now. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, just purely because, seriously, um, the number of CEOs and managements that I've been seeing in the past, I would say, three to six months are really really awesome lah. I see wow. like I, I do have access to them and um, by just seriously understanding the business in itself uh, it really gives me a lot of perspective I see so like for instance last week I was just um, interviewing um, you know I think there was uh, Pestec right? oh Pestec yeah, yeah Paul so, so I, I was interviewing Paul and he really gives me a lot of good vibes lah, I would mm. say mm. yeah um, I understand, like, you know, when, when we just chat, you can really see his passion. Yeah. And you can really see how technical and how much he understands about electrical engineering. Yeah, and stuff like I, that, read, right? I read his profile, man. It's uh, quite interesting. <laughs> you, you know what I, why I find what you just said? So, because there's a huge, I would say, myth. And you tell me whether you agree with me mm-hmm. or not. Mm-hmm. There's a huge myth that a lot of, especially young Malaysians are saying, right? Mm-hmm. 
don't invest in the Malaysian world because it's not innovative. Oh, yeah. It's not tech savvy. Yeah. You get CEOs who are just, you know, just there to receive yeah. uh, money and pay and, and all I that compared to the US. Yeah, I think I think there is some truth to that. Like yeah. I would say a lot of the Malaysian companies, um, it is still riddled by a lot of... Um, Funny, funny businesses, lah. Yeah, yeah. Funny characters, funny as well, characters, la. funny, funny businessmen who who does do things like that and like this <laughs> that use their like um, company as I don't know proxy, like, la, It's a proxy, a proxy to do whatever you know. But but honestly speaking, you know, every now and then you do you do find like extremely good counters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, I would say I have been also an investor in. For instance, companies like Yinsen. Yinsen right? mm. is a good counter. Yes, yes. Very, very well managed. Um, I've also invested in counters like, uh, okay, maybe this one is um, a Malaysian com- company, but listed in um, Singapore, like okay. Riverstone. Oh, right? Riverstone, right. okay. Um, I mean, of course, of course. Um, right now, they are still, I mean, they are in a bad sentiment, but mm. um, when you when you, when it comes to like investing in a good manager, a hardworking manager, he's they are definitely one of them as well. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah. So companies like, for instance, uh, back back to DNO again. Yeah. Um, companies like Megafirst, right? Mm-hmm. So these are companies that are really, they have solid and you know of high integrity, la, I would say, in terms yeah. of the ownerships, in terms in terms of the management, and yeah. Um, again, I think at the very very fundamental of all your investments, you just have to invest in the proper and the right business run by the right and the proper management. Yeah, I just just to latch on that point, remember earlier you said mm. in VC investing or early in angel investing, you mm-hmm. can't rely on numbers and mm. the, your rule number one was actually who is running the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The vision. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, since you brought about management, you know, uh, I, I, I thought that we only have 13 questions, but I think yeah. we have 30 now. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Ronnie. No, but you mentioned management and you talked a little bit about integrity. So I mm. want to get your thoughts on actually how do you qualify for integrity and how mm. do you qualify for good management? Okay, just maybe one of the easiest factor is um, I would say, you know, you can tell a lot from reading annual reports and mm. quarterly reports. Mm. Um Sometimes when you look into like Malaysian quarterly reports, right? Oh boy. Like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> like the, the, the amount of information is being given is so vague. Yeah. Right? It's just one liner. Yeah. Oh, our profit improved because our sales improved. Because Forex. <laughs> <laughs> because Forex. But like, you know, there are some companies which, you know, you can tell that they really would like to provide the investors as much information. Transparency. As they can. Yeah, yeah. The transparency. For instance, just take Mega first, like their quarterly reports. You can it's 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 as simple as uh, I mean it's an open book lah. Yeah. Yeah. So, so these are like probably one of the cues I would say, right? Yeah. And even like annual reports as well. Mm. So these are I would say like a normal retailer they can they can look into this. In the, the struggle beginning. is most retailers don't read those reports. <laughs> yeah. They they even ask us how do you how do you download it? <laughs> where do you find it? I think to be honest to be honest with you, um, I mean yeah right now we are at um, I mean this. Could be like an advice, I, I suppose, for yeah. for everyone who's listening. But I know that right now we are in a in a place where it is all about digitalization and information is just at the, your finger clicks. Just Correct. Like that, right. Correct. And, and you know, but the thing is, I think there are just too much time being spent on your phone. Yes. Yeah. Like the first thing that you wake up, you straight away look into like your your stock bit app. You know? I l- <laughs> I look into my stock bit <laughs> app, but you know, some some people I know Facebook. Like, yeah, like my interns and stuff, they straight away look into like their Telegram, la, their Facebook, la, Instagram and everything. Mm. But you know, like 
and and some sometimes people spend too much time in all these apps yes. in all these groups completely where agree where i feel like then um, you know your mind is just so cluttered with information that might not be um, life changing spot on man yeah so it's just like short termism right yeah so you come in and then you're like oh well so this this person say data prep okay i'm going to trick data prep <laughs> and stuff like that and and you know it's just i mean these are all moment momentums and technical traits which is all okay yeah. but um you know i would i would suggest um especially those that is looking into um real investing to mm-hmm. just take a step back from all this um try and have some hours where it is just without phones and just look you know maybe when even when you have phones maybe listen to like um a youtube channel like from you guys oh, and stuff oh, thank, yeah. you, thank you thank <laughs> you listen to this <laughs> podcast yeah. Yeah, Rondi, to, to, you know? yeah. to to learn about companies and um, try and really do an in-depth research about the business yeah. and where it's trying to go and whether or not this is a business that you can invest on whether it can scale properly whether it can be profitable next year the growth and stuff like that where is the roadmap and what is trying to achieve in the long term i think this uh, the sort of like then you will get um a fresh and an obscure idea like I suppose there there is really like a lot of companies in 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 Bursa Malaysia which which is still undervalued and oh, I would say yeah and oh absolutely yeah so just um look into it lah and and try and understand like what is happening around the world yeah um i think you can really make a difference in your performance of your investment i, I suppose great mm-hmm. do latching on that you know i've got so many questions but maybe just latching on that yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. about What is your reading habit, or how mm-hmm. how do you start your day yeah. and declutter from the noise in a way? So right. yeah. So um, I mean, just from uh, the point of view, from the very moment that I'm trying to, I mean, okay, so um, I'm quite a boring guy, lah. To be honest, like I uh, like boring. <laughs> <laughs> we are all analysts. We are all very boring. I mean, I, I I look into, <coughs> yeah. I mean, I do read a lot of um, research reports. Okay. Um, I do subscribe to a lot of um, like newspapers, like Financial Times, Bloomberg, and uh, Wall Street uh, Journal. Yeah, Wall Street Journal, all these things. Mm. Um, Barons. Um, yeah, so I, I I like to read a lot of memos, okay. trying to understand what is happening in uh, what is the latest that is happening around the globe. Okay. First. Yeah, and and after that, I just try to um, I guess filter my idea in into like trying to see. What are the sort of companies that might benefit in a certain angle here and there? Understand. Yeah, so, for instance, like just 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 to give you guys an example, I would say like yesterday and the day before, I tried to understand more about the the Suez Canal on and on how that could actually impact in the short term. Mm. Is there any short term trades that I can put on? Yeah. Or maybe is there any sort of like short term trades that could potentially be thrown away mm. just because of um a s- something that is a, a s- short term disruption? Understand. Right? So um. Could there be a potential pickups from there and stuff like that? Lah, I would say. Yeah. Great, great. So I heard you say something very interesting just now, which was mm. that you have interns. Yeah. So is this uh? So you have a research team working under you um, at your family office, or this under stock bid? Or uh, this is this is under stock bid actually. Right. I see. So just just to let you guys know, like how big stock bid is in in, in Indonesia, right? Okay. So um, I think right now we are we are employing about two hundred. Two hundred people in Indonesia. What what's the Ooh. spread? What's the spread like yeah. for their responsibility and marketing and you know? Yeah, um, honestly speaking, most of them are like developers lah. Wow. There, there is also I a huge it. team in um, in the marketing point of view. And okay. There are some investment analysts here and there. So and this is shared between Bibit and Stockbit, or is it no, purely no, no. just Stockbit? Now now they are actually segregating into two lah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. 
Okay. But it's all under Stockbit as a group. Nice. I see. Yeah. I see. Yeah, really looking forward to the growth. Really expecting the growth yeah. uh, for Stockbit. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, yeah. um, I was just talking to the founders and yeah. we... I I mean we do we do really want to expand to Malaysia because mm. I think um, our experience here has been nothing but like good. Okay. Um, we do receive a lot of good feedbacks about Stockbit as well. Okay. And I think you know in terms as a market in itself, I think uh, Malaysia is I mean it's it's very interesting like It's a very interesting market. One of I would say the hottest in terms of retail participation in in Southeast Asia as well. Okay. So yeah, hopefully um, when things sort of stabilize in Indonesia, um, we can really focus more in the Malaysian expansion. Look, yeah. Looking forward, man. Yeah. So I just want to ask you. Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. And yeah. I and I think one of the one of the first thing, um, if anything, that I would like to bring into Malaysia is definitely like the fundamental data. Mm. Oh, great! Yeah. I'm looking forward. So right now, yes, what fifty thousand active members from right? Malaysia? For, is it from Malaysia? Is yeah, that right? I think about forty fifty thousand. Yeah. So okay. what's the time? Target for the next year or um, five years. I mean, um, it's okay. Like um, we we don't want it. I mean, like for instance, for me personally, even if it stays at around this current uh, juncture, it's it's okay. Um, mm-hmm. Like the group, um, the founders doesn't really have any expectation for Malaysian growth at the, uh, per se. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, it's all about. I I believe right now small uh, is not bad because. Okay. We really can see the the quality la. Yeah. Okay. So just just give you guys again an, another example, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So so of course the forum i three yeah. they had like um, portfolio picks of the year and yeah. stuff like that. Yes. And then I think at the same time, Stockbit also have like the portfolio picks of the year. Okay. So if let's say you actually Nyago did this um, study. Okay. Of so course he did. <laughs> so okay, he didn't do the i three one, but um, I did the i three one. So okay. If you just look into like the top three picks between i3 and um, Stockbit, Stockbit, you can really see like what is the sort of um, the counters that people are focusing on. Mm. So I think one of the one of the key picks in i3 is or rather the top picks there is like Jacks. Oh <laughs> my goodness! Like it's still uh, one of the top yeah. picks. It's so been in, there for five years. It's like DNO, right? So mm-hmm. in from from that angle, you just you're able to kind of like I suppose um, feel the sentiment, lah. Yeah. Right, I I roll. <laughs> so speaking of stock picks, right? Uh, I have to ask you now. Okay, just yeah. just quick one, right? You don't need to explain unless you want to. Okay. Yeah. yeah no what are three stocks you're looking at now for the, the year? And then yeah. if you want to share, what are three stocks that you would not be looking at yeah. or industries if it's too sensitive oh, okay. for you? Yeah. No. I mean. Uh, no. I think. I think. Um, again, I'm not. I'm not a guru or yeah, yeah, anything yeah. like everything that I've done. Same, same with us. We're not I've gurus too. <laughs> it's it's all free, and you can always see it in Stockbit. Yeah. Um. But yeah, even even like the top five picks. Um. We actually had this conversation in Stockbit end of last year. Okay. What is your top picks for the year and stuff like that? Also, it's in Stockbit. As uh, it's in our YouTube channel or Facebook or something like that. Okay. Yeah, but. Um, I mean, unfortunately, DNO was picked at the beginning of the year, and now it just rallied like crazy. Like now. So, yeah. um, I wouldn't call that value right now. Okay. Yeah. So, um, but again, it's a very good company to 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 be investing to be invested in mm-hmm. Um, I would say that last year, last week, when I when I when I speak to Paul mm. from Bestech, yeah, I, I I find that extremely interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um. So that's um. I would say that's one. And there is another counter which I feel like um, a lot of the Malaysian market is really overlooking. Okay. And um, that's Megafus. Megafus. Mm, yeah. Okay. MFCB, right? Mm. I, 
I mean, I really like the com- the company. Okay. Um, you know how how a lot of focus have been in like renewable energy, for instance. Yeah. 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 But do you guys know that who is the most profitable renewable energy company in Malaysia? And I would say not only this year, but maybe like in the next few years, mm, mm, it's mm. definitely going to be Megafest. Mm, mm. There is no way any of Sai Park or uh, Samaidan. I mean, don't talk the EPCC guys even. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. Know, but those EPCC guys and a lot of the newcomers that we are seeing, right? There is no way they are going to be as profitable or, you know, close to profitable as Megafest. So Megafest owns like a hydropower plant mm. in in Laos, mm. and it's generating, I would say, close to about. 300 to 400 million in terms of net profit a year. Wow. And that is all cash, right? Because yeah. it's concession business. Yes. Yeah. So it's now a matter of how they're going to uh, utilize this cash. I understand. And I think now a lot of the market is looking into it and they're sort of disappointed from the point of view of the dividend. <sighs> But I think they are missing Standard. they're missing the big picture. <laughs> yeah. And even right now as we speak, I think Megafest is trading at about 10 times PE. <laughs> oh man. It For a concession business, uh? For a concession business, wow. for a business that is extremely profitable, yeah, and for a business that is having this sort of like um, net profit um, in the foreseeable future, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I think that's uh, that's one of my um, I would say key investment as well. Okay, um, and I think Pestec is one of the new one which I'm really looking into. Okay, um, I think that's two for now. I I I don't know about any other ones. Um, Yeah, maybe I'll just leave it as there lah. Okay. I think yeah. I think the rest you can look into. You can you can just find me in Stockbit and see okay. what are the other things that I'm invested sure. into. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So what about the the areas that you would, would avoid? Not yeah. Yeah, you would avoid looking I into. I guess you know just <laughs> <laughs> it's the obvious lah. I suppose you know. Um, I I will I'll never touch things like um all those um goreng plays. I hot suppose. hot stocks. Yeah, hot stocks, penny stocks. Um, I'll try and. Especially penny stocks that doesn't have um, any fundamentals that backs the the movement of the share price, um, I'll I'll definitely avoid those things. Okay. Okay. Very uh very political answer. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So enough about uh well yeah enough about stocks. I think this will be last question, right? It's mm-hmm. more about your personal life and personal finance, mm-hmm. and you know having invested for fa- uh. For for your family, and then now also you are a father, right? Mm. How has that differed from your, you know, your younger days? Has anything changed your life by doing that? Um, no, I think um, okay, maybe I forgot, but I'm also I also have a side business in which oh. I am doing. It's a just a normal bread and butter business. Okay, yeah. So um, I think I I do that because um, I believe um, to be a good investor. You also should be a good businessman. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think uh, by being a, a businessman of some sort, um, you really understand a lot more about the world of investing. Mm. But I'm quite blessed in the sense that that particular business, uh, my business partner is also managing it. I see. And um, I'm also definitely blessed because um, by doing investing, I have a lot more time to spend with my family. Mm. So um, yeah, definitely. How I would say. Um, I mean, I mean, in terms of like work-life balance, it's a lot better lah than than me being as a trader last time. A prop trader, yeah. Yeah. I mean, being a f- father of two two kids, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when do you think, and probably uh, getting some support here because I am a father of two too. When yeah. do you think would be the right age? Yeah. For you to share with them the world of investing, and how how would you think you would do that, Lekhi? Oh, I think um, I'm. 
start them young man <laughs> you know um, i i am how young to, is young <laughs> i mean i i am trying to um, teach my girl um, some games you know trying to i mean she's four okay so i i try to like tell her to speak some interesting kind of like uh, financial lingos wow and see if she can <laughs> say it correctly because she finds that like a, a, a an interesting game i see so i asked her to say like terms like volatility which is like <laughs> yeah oh yeah right? arbitrage <laughs> arbitrage and stuff like that so yeah i mean uh, yeah start them young are you going to paste a photo of Warren Buffett in a room <laughs> no, to yeah, well, accounting extreme. book you know somewhere you know <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. yeah so it is been definitely an interesting chat do you have any more questions mj i mean yeah uh, i you know i, I do lah but yeah. i think uh I think we'll save it for our next one. Yeah, we'll yeah. save it. Definitely save it for and next uh, one. And before we say goodbye, where can people find you? Yeah, where can people reach out to you? Yeah, I mean, just a simple Stockbit. You okay. Can, you can find me in Stockbit. I think, so, I think that's Rondi where at Stockbit, right? Yeah, you can. I mean, in Stockbit, you can just type Rondi and you can find me. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Any I other s- place you hang out with? Hang out, yeah. Twitter, Instagram. Um, nah, just just stop it. Bit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's my my only kind of like public portfolio, or public place right. where people Great. can look into me. Yeah. Great. Well, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, thank uh, you. Hopefully, you like a second one in the future. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, guys, I hope you've been entirely enlightened about how really the Malaysian market can progress. Mm-hmm. as a market in terms of intelligence, in terms of information, in terms of just overall awareness yeah. of things going on in the stock yeah. market. Uh, I also hope that you now know what uh, a prop traders like look like yeah. and how it's not really what you think it is. Yeah. Uh, it's not as easy as it is. No, like we, we are all still human. Now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you now also learn that here is... Uh, someone who is from Indonesia telling us, right? Uh, and I think Niago did the same thing as well. Yeah. Mm. These are people not not from, uh, in a way, Malaysia telling us that the Malaysian market also has opportunities. Bursa didn't pay him to say that, right? Did, no, 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 no. Okay. And of course, we also talked about, uh, what were they talking about? Uh, you know, the, the picks for the year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How to look at investments, how to really not just look at PEs and earnings. Mm-hmm. And of course, if you're a father listening to this, I hope you also get some insight about really what it's like to be both an investor and a father. Mm-hmm. And if you guys have enjoyed the podcast, remember to give it a like on YouTube. Um, you know, follow us on both Spotify and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And uh, see you guys in the next podcast. Bye, right. guys. Bye-bye. Thanks, guys. <laughs>